0: Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices. I
1: don't have to show you any stinking vices.
0: This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: All right, hour two, well underway here on the Chris Salcedo Show, and I'm glad you've made it, everybody. It's time for the flip around. Normally, we lead the show with this, but I think we start putting it in different places so folks can uh, who uh, are, aren't able to tune in the first hour and want to come in the second hour and catch the flip around. This is where we put the remote in my hands, and we just flip around all the cable networks, see what they're talking about. We'll start off today with CNN.
1: Here, And uh, obviously, it'll be investigated by both the House and Senate intelligence committees. But more importantly, uh, it's probably being investigated by the FBI. And I think the FBI clearly have... Uh, a lot more leverage here because they can actually prosecute for any crimes that have been committed. So I suspect that one of these investigations is going to turn up just exactly what took place here.
0: Chairman Chaffetz uh, said today that the White House refused to provide any material related to to Flynn's vetting uh, or when he was fired. The White House uh, deferred to the Pentagon for some of that material. You were a White House Chief of Staff. If you were advising uh, President Trump What would you suggest you do when it comes to sharing information about General Flynn?
1: I think the best policy is for the White House to fully cooperate in these investigations.
2: Oh, yes, because your boss, when you were inside of the uh, when you were inside of the Obama administration, they were all about transparency, weren't they? Uh, Jason Chaffetz came out today, folks, and said that uh, Michael Flynn may have broken the law. And if that were the case, uh, that could be very, very bad. And the White House is not turning over any of their internal documents and how they vetted Mr. Flynn. Uh, There's probably a good reason for that because apparently he wasn't vetted very well. I think we can all basically say he wasn't vetted well at all. We didn't even know he was a a, a foreign agent. He had registered as a foreign agent. And that would have been a hint and a half not to hire him for National Security Advisor. Let's head over to Fox.
3: ...are going to appreciate the size of the tax cut that the president is planning on rolling out tomorrow as well. Here's what Sean Spicer, the press secretary, had to say, it all, say uh, about it all just a few minutes ago at the briefing wait until tomorrow, you can see the plan, but I think obviously uh, we've got to do everything we can to get economic growth going and job creation going. I think the more we can do to make our country, our businesses, our manufacturers in particular, more competitive, that's good for American workers, it's good for our economy, it's good for economic growth. Now, some Democrats were saying up in the Hill, and this included Debbie Stabenow from the great state of Michigan, that uh, she wasn't prepared to sign on to anything that President Trump puts out in terms of tax reform, Neil, if it's geared only at corporations. She said if it includes uh, small businesses, then maybe she could consider signing on to it. And we understand that it will. And again, uh, this new plan to uh, increase either the personal deduction or dependent deductions. Not sure exactly how they're going to do it. So that many lower income earners, many more lower income earners in the United States States will effectively pay zero tax.
2: All right, so uh, Trump, one of the big hi- uh, highlights that have kind of leaked out of the tax plan he's going to roll out tomorrow, along with, along with his meeting and senators on North Korea, is the 15% corporate tax rate. Now, what many don't um, know or realize is that the United States puts its companies at the biggest disadvantage of any other country on the planet, Our companies are forced to pay more taxes than any other country on the planet so that again that puts us at an immediate disadvantage because our government rides on the backs of our businesses and they can't compete very well abroad. So uh, Trump has given no indication that there's not going to be middle class tax relief in all of this either. He he has not said that. Oh, I'm just going to do it for the businesses, and I'm not going to worry about anybody else. No, he is. He has consistently said there will be a a uh, a middle class tax cut, and a uh, for individual filers and for small businesses there will be a tax cut as well, much needed and 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 praise God a simplified tax code away from this seventy five thousand page idiocy that has been mostly gifted to us by left-wing Democrats. Let's go over to MSNBS. They're having a conversation with a Republican, uh, look at this, Congressman, Donovan is his name, I think.
3: The President still wants to do this. Speaker Ryan, I think, is courageous. He continues to, to try to put this thing together so we can fulfill our promise to the American people. And so I think you're gonna find that first. There's a lot of implications, tax implications, in the health care plan that have an effect on the health, on the uh, income co- tax code. So I think you're going to see us do health care before we do income tax.
0: Donald Trump now talking about this border wall being built later on in his presidency and apparently, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but apparently funding for that border wall will not be part of this deal to keep the government open uh, this week. Do you think that wall actually is going to get built or is this a promise that he won't keep?
3: Oh, I think what he's doing is he's listening to his advisors, his national security advisors, the, the folks who are responsible for protecting our nation day in and day out and, and create something that they believe will help create our nation, uh, keep our nation safe. Uh, you know, people had a vision of a big brick wall. Some had uh, visions of an electronic wall. Some people had visions of a surveillance wall.
2: No, um, <laughs> no, <laughs> sorry. This guy is from New York, guys. These are he's a am making air quotes with my fingers. Republican from New York. Uh, Mr. Donovan here. Oh yeah. so, so what he's trying to do is he's trying to spin. He's trying to say, Oh yeah. Some people had uh, visions that a wall meant, you know, no wall at all. <laughs> some people had visions that a wall meant, uh, 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 pixie dust. Uh, some people had a vision that a wall was, uh, Complete an open border, allowing anybody to come in anytime they freaking wanted to. No, Mr. Donovan, none of us were under the illusion that that's what a wall meant, sir. What we meant when we said and we were promised a wall, which was an end to illegal immigration. Uh, there's a security component, yes, but there's also a compliance with the rule of law, sir. And notice how none of these shrubs ever talk about compliance with the rule of law. Especially these these progressives who call themselves Republicans from from states like New York. I don't know Donovan very well. Hell, I don't know Donovan at all. But just by hearing that little short soundbite on MSNBS, well, there's a reason why he's on MSNBS. He's a, quote-unquote, reasonable Republican. One that likes to, you know, say that Congress isn't subject to the laws they impose on all of us. Complete and utter idiocy in my mind. And well, I, I, I got to tell you, folks, I don't know where this is all going to go. I, I, I do know, well, let's, let, let's put it this way. If Donald Trump doesn't get a significant portion of the wall built across areas where a wall is needed, that or some sort of barrier system that will impede the progress of illegal aliens and impede the progress of drugs and impede the progress of, of gang members coming across that border, MS-13 and others, that will put an end, a stop to illegal immigration. If illegal immigration isn't put to a stop, he will not be reelected. I, I guarantee you that if we are sitting here looking down the barrel of Uh, millions more illegals coming into this country. And all of these problems that are still uh, plaguing America in 3.75 years from now that are plaguing them today, and our borders are less secure or just as uh, porous as they are today, there will be no re-election of Donald Trump. And I think that will be the death knell of the American people's faith in elected leaders of Congress and the White House. I think I think this one singular issue that was strong enough to propel a political novice into the White House over so-called experienced morons like Hillary Clinton who have done their level best to exploit this country for their own personal benefit. The... That the same power and energy that put him into the Oval Office, that will be a destructive power to this government. The American people have been lied to too long and betrayed by elected leaders of both parties on this issue for far too long. Washington, D.C., the Democrat Party and the Republican Party are not on the same page with the nation on illegal immigration. And. If this isn't done. We're not going to fall for the secure fence act ruse again. Oh yeah, we'll pass it and we'll make sure the hordes quit talking about it and uh, put the pitchforks away, put the torches away and then. Um, and then everything, all will be fine. And then we can get back to making sure illegals are streaming across that border and plugging into our school system and and plugging into our welfare system on, on the uh, on the state level and the city level. Uh, that's not going to happen. That same, and this is my word of caution to you folks up on Capitol Hill. That same energy that propelled Donald Trump through a 17-person primary and into the Oval Office, that energy will be squarely focused on you. And you will undermine any credibility this government had left with the American people on this issue. And maybe credibility, period, because it will be, it will be definitive that whether you have a, an R in front of your name or a D in front of your name, you can't be trusted to do the will of the American people. You're up there doing the the will of special interests and your own political fortunes. That's not your job. All right, folks, we'll talk about national security coming up here on the Chris Salcedo Show. I didn't get into, but well, hold on a minute. Let's talk, let's see what Fox Business, before we go, Fox Business, here's briefly what they're talking about because it actually will help me tease the next segment.
1: And These are the toughest yet. Well, the North Korea carries on. One of the reasons being that whatever China and Russia and various other U.N. member states agree to with these sanctions, they don't necessarily do anything about it. They yeah. don't actually stick to what they agree to. Well, Claudia, what I'm, we've I, seen. Yeah.
0: I'm thinking of a, of a variation of that old line, damn the torpedoes full speed ahead. In this case, it's a yeah. damn the U.N. just full speed ahead with the torpedoes?
1: Yes. I mean, the way to solve this is never mind the United Nations. And I, I think what Trump was trying to do, my read was it was like the godfather inviting the Security Council to lunch at his house. <laughs>
2: <laughs> They're talking about North Korea and ahead of this meeting tomorrow with senators at the White House. We'll talk more about this the other side of the break. Be right back, folks. It's the Salcedo Show.
0: Telling the truth. It's one of those jobs American liberals won't do. That's why we need the liberty-loving Latino, Chris Salcedo. The Blaze Radio Network.
3: Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love.
2: All right, let's get out of the phones uh, to Massachusetts we go. Scott, our old buddy Scott calling back in. Uh, welcome, sir, to the Chris Salcedo Show. I'm glad you called.
1: Chris, thank you. I'm glad I did, too. I love your show. I thank wish you, I man. could call in more than once every three weeks, although I called in, what, three days ago? But, and I apologize for that call, by the way. I was walking down the street, so if I sounded bad or windy out, I apologize. Um, but before I get into Trump funding wall in the first 100 days, a quick comment. Did you see today, I'm, I, I like this guy, I, I'm ignorant about him, I don't know a lot about him, but Secretary Ross, Commerce and Secretary Ross, did some speaking before Spicer got up there on the daily press conference. Clearly he's intelligent, much like Trump, he's a no BS type of guy. Um, the quote he ended as he was leaving the sta- stage, stage is probably the wrong word, Podium. As, he was, as he was leaving the platform, he said, well, I'm glad you guys are out of questions because I'm out of answers. So I like this guy. I don't know much about him at all. Do you, Secretary uh, no, Ross? I, I don't no, know. No,
2: uh, not not very much. I, I, he's the older gentleman, correct?
1: Yes, sir. Yep. Yeah, bald. Um, he, bald. Uh, looks yeah. like Larry David, kind of. To be honest with you, he's kind well, of.
2: <laughs> now that that's Somebody's a good thing. Cool.
1: You can get a vibe on someone just by. Um, I only watched him for literally 90 seconds. I caught I caught the very end of his. Uh, speech isn't the right word. What is it? Press conference. Yeah. uh, yeah, He was on before Spicer today, which is, I've never, usually it's just Spicer that gives it, but uh, you'll you'll see it later.
2: What what I, what I didn't, I didn't get a chance to, to watch it, but what was, what I had, and I saw some of this stream by, I think USA Today wrote this up and some others that, that Wilbur Ross was asked, uh, a, a question about Michael Flynn. Now here's, this is the commerce secretary. And somebody in the basket of bias press wanted to know his thoughts on, on this Michael Flynn issue. And, and from, what, from what I understood from the write-up, he wasn't at all, he, he wasn't at all uh, shall we say, impressed with the lack of intelligence of the press.
1: No. He was calling them out. And like I said, he's a no BS type of guy. He reminds me of Trump. He, he's, a, he's another version of Trump. No BS. Yes. Like I said, I only watched two minutes-ish. But yes, one one question. He like looked back at the uh, guy, probably from the Basket of Bias, the New York Times or one of the other rags out there. And he he looked back at him and goes, "Did you not hear what I just said?" He goes, uh, the White House. I, you know what I mean, I'm not speaking verbatim obviously, but the, in general, he was calling the guy an idiot. Like, "Did you not listen to me?" No, we we're, we're not privy to that due to the last administra- administration administration. You you'll see it later, Chris, and mm-hmm. I want to watch it again, but he was great. I was very impressed. So yeah. Wilbur could-
2: Ross, when when he was asked this question, and again, it's it's not stated uh, which which of the basket of bias, and probably for uh, good reason, the USA that. Today didn't didn't want to embarrass uh, whoever was stupid enough to ask the Commerce Secretary about Michael Flynn uh, at Tuesday's White House press briefing. Ross didn't appear amused when a reporter asked whether uh, the recent focus on on lumber quote might get michael flynn's name off the front pages and mr ross waited for a moment uh before answering uh, uh before answering and then deadpanned quote is michael flynn now a trade issue i wasn't aware that he was mm, end exactly quote. so see my uh, point see, kudos be kudos up. to to the commerce secretary
1: Yeah, totally. That just illustrates exactly what I was saying. There's no BS like most politicians. All right, moving on, if I am granted the time. Yes. About Trump and the first hundred days, which appears to be the benchmark, which I think is kind of silly. You know, I judge a president not on his first hundred days, but by his first, quote-unquote, four years, and whether or not we give him a two-term presidency. But uh, funding the wall. Yeah, I mean, it's becoming politics. He's getting settled in. But if if you want to give him a grade, again, this is cliche, but appears to be what the talking heads are saying. You know, what do you give him for a grade for the first hundred days? And my opinion is there's two grades, okay? A, if you're, not A as in a grade, <laughs> I mean, firstly, he's, uh, how do you think of him politically? Now, if you're a liberal, you're going to give him an F, obviously. If you're a, as I self-describe, a common-sense conservative, I give him a B plus. But more importantly, uh, as I don't have any children yet, but if I did, the one grade I'd be interested in is effort. And I give Mr. Trump an A-plus for effort. He's clearly attempting to be a public servant and not a politician, and he's trying. Whether or not you agree or disagree with him is a separate conversation. But you are getting someone who is trying their best.
2: Well, I, I think that nobody. I think it's what you, you're. Maybe the word you're looking for is work ethic. We knew that President Obama didn't have one of these things called a work ethic. We. I remember the opening days and years of his administration were were marred with uh, White House parties and concerts, so he could hobnob with all these these <laughs> leftists in Hollywood and uh, and uh, in the music scene and. All of the important stuff seemed to go by the wayside, securing the nation, our role in the world. He just retreated on every front. And the only thing he really cared about doing was beating up Republicans and conservatives and then passing left wing legislation that was not to the benefit of the country. And you contrast that with Donald Trump, who goes to work every single day, puts his nose to the grindstone and doesn't stop. According to his aides, he just he never stops. And their overarching concern that he has is for the for the betterment of the country so uh, i mean you contrast the two the two leaders and i think that that sticks out uh, i think you're right a for effort is uh, a pretty good metric thank you scott i appreciate the call man don't be a stranger to the program here uh telephone number you want to weigh in is triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three up next we will get to the foreign policy discussion and i'm going to use tomorrow's meeting about north korea between the senate and Donald Trump as a backdrop to be able to talk about a lot of other things, including uh, the the Iranian situation and the situation, broadly speaking, in the South China Sea. Back in a minute, the Salcedo Show, here on The Blaze.
0: 888-900-3393. The Chris Salcedo Show. On The Blaze Radio Network. The Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: We have given them total authorization, and that's what they're doing. And frankly, that's why they've been so successful lately. If you look at what's happened over the last eight weeks and compare that really to what's happened over the last eight years, you'll see there's a tremendous difference.
2: It's Donald Trump. Taking the gloves off the United States military and the leadership in the United States military saying, here's your mission, go do it. A stark contrast to what we saw from President Obama and his administration. President Obama had snot-nosed leftists calling up our generals on the battlefield. Gee, General, I don't know, pajama boy, I don't know if that's a great-looking thing for you to be doing. That might not play well in the press. And generals were subordinated to these political idiots. And, you know, one of the great examples of the Obama administration's window dressing use of the military was this half-hearted effort against ISIS, Barack Obama's JV team. And I I remember he was just doing enough to say that he was doing something so that so that the press would go, "Oh, look at Barack Obama. He's uh, he's he's doing something. Yes, he's something, isn't he?" And that's all they wanted. They don't want to win. I I cannot conceive, and I'll bet you, if you if we ever are privy to some tell all books about President Obama, I bet you will find the order to win and beat ISIS was never given, and certainly not saying. Here's your orders. Go beat ISIS. You guys figure out how to do it. Give me some plans and we'll sign off on them and we'll go. Now, contrast that, or not contrast that, but you've got Trump saying, I'm letting the professionals do what the professionals do. And even the guys who worked for Obama, we heard from him earlier in the hour live, uh, Leon Panetta, who was CIA director and secretary of defense, as well as Gates and Hagel, They all weighed in on how it was to work for Obama, trying to secure this nation and trying to get things done in defense of this nation.
3: It was the operational
2: micromanagement that drove me nuts. Too
1: often, uh, people are kind of worried or second guessing where the president wants to go and they try to then shade their views to basically please the president. I don't think there's one veteran uh, uh, on his senior staff at the White House. I don't believe there's one business person I don't believe there's one person who's ever run anything. I think he's got to fundamentally understand, and I don't—I'm not sure he ever did, nor the people around him—the the tremendous responsibility the United States has.
2: And Adequ- that was Obama's deficiency, but we're improving on that because we don't have uh, a cat in the Oval Office who says, "I need to be involved in every facet of this government," or, or my or my liberal. Uh, Cronies need to be involved in every facet of this government uh, so that liberalism is always advanced, so that our political agenda is always advanced, not defense of the nation. Screw that. Just just my political agenda. So it's it's a it's a it's a step up. We have a step up now with Donald Trump running things. Uh, Vice President Pence, maybe two or three steps up when he sets foot on the deck of the USS Ronald Reagan over. In South Korea uh, as well as making some statements uh, first on the deck of the uh, the Reagan
3: beyond this noble ship and the carrier strike group that it leads by the year 2020 this ocean will boast 60 percent of our Navy's fleet and the skies above already have f-35 joint strike fighters flying for freedom
2: The USS Ronald Reagan, uh, our most technologically advanced nuclear-powered aircraft carrier, and the F-35 Strike Fighter, the most expensive, (laughs) and yes, sophisticated aircraft that's flying. And hopefully there'll be more airborne soon, and we're going to need them. Then Mike Pence sets the stage that, and and wants to not, not, there's more than one audience for this, but the person in the front row, is Kim Jong-un.
3: The United States of America will always seek peace, but under President Trump, the shield stands guard and the sword stands ready. Rest assured, under President Trump's leadership, the United States will continue to protect our people and our allies and to strengthen the bonds between us today, tomorrow, and every day that follows.
2: Many are speculating the sword of which the vice president spoke of will be discussed tomorrow in this meeting in Washington, D.C., at the White House. Between these senators and between Donald Trump, left-wingers are are deathly afraid that a communist will be confronted. Left-wingers are afraid that communism will be once again shown to be detrimental to human liberty and freedom. By the way, that reminds me. Remember I told you last week when we saw the chaos in Venezuela that Libs knew that it was their policies on trial, knew that it was their policies that it caused all of this? Blaze wrote up something on Friday, last Friday. Rachel Maddow of MSNBS tried to blame donations to the Trump campaign on the, the unrest in Venezuela. <laughs> See, she knows. She knows that fo- the, the folks she supports and the policies she support led to the misery and destruction of human liberty in Venezuela. Thursday night, MSNBS host Rachel Maddow made the claim that the current civil unrest happening in the socialist country of Venezuela is a product of donations given to President Donald Trump's 2016 campaign. Maddow began her report by discussing a Mike.com and yes, very credible. Mike.com article about national uh, uh, national security officials, along with Trump's chief of staff, Steve Bannon, meeting with the businessman with ties to Trump's family in order to lift sanctions on Venezuela. These sanctions were put in place by the previous administration in 2014 after 43 protesters were killed in a government crackdown. So at any rate, here she is saying oh, it's just it's, everything's Trump's fault, even though he's only been in office two months. And that uh, this could not be the responsibility of left-wing policies and ideology that is firmly ensconced and entrenched inside of Venezuela right now. Ideologically, Hugo Chavez and and Mr. Maduro have very little difference with Rachel Maddow. Rachel Maddow and those two cats, and let's, let's be frank, Obama and Hillary Clinton, they all think the same about government's role in your life. So back to um, back to this discussion on national security and what's going to be happening as far as China is concerned, and they're well, we're trying to prompt them to intervene in North Korea. trust me people they they don't like the fact that there's a lot of American hardware all of a sudden over there. they just they don't like it. they're going to like it even less if Donald Trump says. We're going to put nukes back in South Korea. We're going to put nukes in Japan. They're going to like that even less. Michael Hanlon from the Brookings Institution, a left-leaning organization, talking with Fox last night about this growing North Korea crisis.
3: The military options are so unappealing that this is what you're led to do.
2: Yeah, the reason why the military options are so unappealing, folks, we could take out their missile sites, no problem, but they're conventional weapons that are... Pointed over its soul would just devastate Seoul, And we have American service members who are also in harm's way, not to mention the folks of our allies in South Korea. So there are no good options. And remember, how we got here. William Jefferson Clinton put together a deal. Hey, look! Uh, I, I, hey, Kim Jong Il, come here. This is Kim Jong Un's pop up. Kim Jong Il, I want you. I want to talk to you, all right? I'm going to give you a whole bunch of money, all right? A Bunch of taxpayer American money. And what I want you to do, I don't want you to go ahead. I I, I do not want you to develop nuclear weapons. You promise me. C- c- come here. Give me give me your pinky. Come here. Yeah, give me your pinky. I want you to pinky swear. You pinky swear that you're not going to make up uh, any nuclear weapons, and I'll make sure I give you a whole. Whole boatload of American taxpayers' money, all right? You, you promise? You, 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 okay, I'm looking right. okay, now where are the girls at? Come on, where, where are the girls at? Come on, let's go. Let's go have a good time. So that was the deal that was brokered in the, in the Clinton administration. And of course, they never checked up on it. They just gave billions of taxpayer dollars to North Korea. North Korea developed a nuclear program, tested it first in 2006 during the Bush administration. They never would have been allowed to had Clinton not brokered that insane deal. It's the same type of deal that Obama brokered with Iran. Same thing. Same lack of of transparency. Same type of American money going over there, financing these despotic regimes, acquisition of the most dangerous weapons known to man. And this is is the legacy of the Democrat Party.
3: And the way you ask China to help is partly by the... Uh Xi and, and Trump relationship, which I'm impressed by. I think President Trump's been doing a good job working that relationship. But you also need some friends to remind China this is the right thing, and also friends to send the message, China, if you don't uh, tighten up the screws a little bit here, uh, the world may put some economic pressure on you, not just on North Korea, but on the Chinese firms and banks and other entities that are doing business with North Korea. That's the way the Iran sanctions process
0: went.
2: Yeah, that's that's exactly what George W. Bush did. He convinced Europe and, and trading partners with with uh, Iran and Russia to put sanctions on, on them. And the sanctions were just starting to bite and just starting to bring the Iranians to their knees. And then Obama said, let me be clear. Here comes Barack Obama. I'm going to give you all billions of dollars of Americans' money. Let me be clear. Oh, and I'm going to give you some nukes too. You get to develop nukes. So... Barack Obama, just when we had the the Iranians right where we wanted them, he gave them a deal that allowed them to keep all the nuclear infrastructure. And they are now, as a matter of fact, there's a new report out about the Parchin facility. And the Parchin facility is weaponizing nuclear weapons as we speak inside of Iran. Speaking of Iran, Elliot Abrams, he's the former um, national security advisor to George W. Bush, saying that Trump now has to deal with all the cans that past presidents have kicked down the road with North Korea and with Iran. And the
1: Iran deal says we can't look at military facilities,
2: No, it's written down.
3: No. What we're finding, I think, is how far the Obama administration went, how, how much they leaned to get that Iran deal done. And now more and more is coming out about the price we've paid in seeing Iran move more quickly toward the ability to build a bomb. And this is another one where, you know, we've been kicking the can down the road and President Trump is finding, "Uh-oh, it's in my lap."
2: Yeah. A lot of Republicans have found themselves in that situation coming after Democrats who have been grossly irresponsible in the Oval Office. Got a lot of got a lot of cans you have to clean up. If Obama had just gotten off his can and done something to stand in the way to to retard North Korea's ambitions for intercontinental ballistic missiles capable of delivering nuclear warheads if they had actually allowed the sanctions to continue to harm Iran so they could have come to us for sanctions relief on their knees and we could have rid them of their nuclear program in total and insisted they stop being uh, providers of funding for radicalized Islamic fundamentalist terrorists if only. But we didn't have that kind of occupier of the Oval Office. We had an anti-American occupier of the Oval Office in President Obama. And that's why none of that happened. All right, we'll put a wrap on the show today. Uh, coming up after the break, be right back, folks, on The
0: Blaze. Keep up with the Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on The Blaze Radio Network. This is the Chris Salcedo Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think Jason's point about about Iran is, is right, I and mean, we are hearing some mi- mixed messages from the Trump administration. I think there's a reason for it. The reason is that Iran, as part of this deal, got the goods, got the rewards for the deal early, and now it's about compliance. So if the administration tears up the deal, Iran has already gotten much of what it it took to get it to sign uh, the, the deal. And-
2: Yeah, that's uh, Steve Hayes on the Fox News panel talking about this whole idea of of ripping up the Iranian deal. Uh, Obama made sure that all the goodies for the Ayatollah and the terrorists were were loaded up front. So they got their cash. They got to keep all of their infrastructure over there. And and the deal was so weak and limp-wristed that it doesn't take much for the Iranians to comply so they can they can put it they can push it right do all the work they need to do, push it right up to the very edge, so the minute the deal expires now in you know about eight years, a little less than eight years, then they'll be ready to go. they'll be a nuclear power almost by flipping a switch and that's what that's what Obama planned that's what he made look they've been test firing missiles, Obama didn't stop them so I understand Steve Steve Hayes' point. Is What good does it do to tear up the deal now? Iran already got everything they wanted. Obama made sure of that.
3: In the United States and, and people who would keep Iran from getting a nuclear weapon now uh, want to test the compliance. But to, to broaden the, the picture, the administration has also changed the way that it's talking about the threat from Iran. Remember, the Obama administration had this... This chosen, this deliberate policy of decoupling the nuclear talks from everything else Iran does. You heard in Rex Tillerson's comments yesterday, uh, you've heard from other people in the administration. That's over. That's not happening anymore. The the Trump administration is going to take on Iran as a, a threat, looking at the nuclear program, Together. looking at yeah. terrorism, looking at what it's doing in the
2: region. Yeah, and that's probably a good idea. I mean, unlike Obama, who said, let well, me be clear, it doesn't matter that you're terrorists. I want to give you a whole bunch of money. Bad news. And remember, everybody, society's worth is not measured by how much power is seized by government, but rather how much power is reserved for we, the people. See you
0: tomorrow. The Chris Salcedo Show, part of Generation Blaze, only on the Blaze Radio Network.